0: Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. A'udhu billahi minash rahim rajeem. الله Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin wal-'udwan illa 'alal zalimin aqibatu lil Allahumma salli wa wa sallam alihi wa sahbihi wa Welcome back to another episode of The First. Bismillahillahi ta'ala, we continue tonight with our mother Aisha ta'ala, and inshallah ta'ala we will cover tonight the tragedies in the life of our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, all the way until the greatest tragedy of her life, which was the death of our beloved messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So today we're going to focus on tragedy in her life, radiallahu ta'ala anha, and also extract the blessing of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala upon her through every one of those tragedies. Next week InshaAllah Ta'ala, we'll talk about her legacy in her life after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we have two more halaqas with our mother Aisha, and really what I wanted to do was bring these all together so that we could try to identify the common themes in these different tragedies that happened in her life. Because subhanAllah, what you find is that while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose her for tests and trials, that no other wife of the Prophet was chosen with, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also blessed her with blessings that no other person was blessed with. And that's something that really stood out to me as I was preparing for tonight, that every single one of these has absolute devastation. And then a recognition of the absolute unique blessing that has come to her, ta'ala anha. So we're going to talk about haditha ifk We're going to talk about the slander of our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. We're going to talk about the death of her mother, uh, which is not often spoken about. We're going to talk about then the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in her life. But before that, you know, we started off this part of the series on Aisha radiallahu anha with talking about the idea of sacrifice. Being married to the Prophet sallallahu wasallam is a very difficult thing, not in terms of his personality and his character, rather the Prophet sallallahu wasallam had the most pleasant personality of all. And it is the greatest blessing to be with him sallallahu wasallam in this dunya and in the Akhirah. But the challenges that come with that, the poverty that comes with that, the oppression that comes with that, all of the challenges, even privacy, SubhanAllah, which Aisha radiAllahu Anha will speak about. All of these things are compromised because you are in the household of the messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so there's an ayah in Surah Al-Ahzab, and I want to go through these ayat before we get to Hadithatul ifk which is the slander of Aisha radiAllahu Anha, where you have the strongest mention of Aisha in the Quran, Surah Al-Ahzab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alludes to a situation in the household of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that's stunning, which is that the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam found life very difficult by the standard of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The poverty was becoming severe. The difficulty was severe. I mean, the Prophet Sallallahu did not have proper furniture. He did not have proper food, no matter how powerful he was Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala reveals to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to essentially go to his wives and give them a choice, a choice to stay married to him Sallallahu Alaihi sallam, and bear the difficulty of being married to him in in, the, in terms of worldly deprivation, or to basically be let go and there would be no blame on them. So this is an offer that comes down in the Quran to the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِي قُلْ in إِن كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَا الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتَهَا فَتَعَالَيْنْ أُمَتِّعْ كُنَّ وَأُسَرِّحْ كُنَّ صَرَاحٍ جَمِيلًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O Prophet, say to your wives, if you desire the life of this world and its luxury, then come forward and you will be given a suitable compensation and you will be let go gracefully. You're not going to be let go in a harsh way, you're not going to be mocked. It's understandable that this is a very difficult task to live in this level of poverty and hardship. And if you want Allah and the Messenger and the hereafter, عظيمة, then Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has prepared for those of you who are good doers a great reward. So you have an amazing reward that awaits you in the hereafter. So the Prophet ﷺ is essentially given an order to go to each one of his wives and to tell them, Allah is giving you an offer here. And you're not going to be blamed if you choose to go back to your homes and to be given some worldly compensation because it's understandable that this is a difficult life to bear. فَبَدَأَ بِعَائِشَةٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عنه. The Prophet ﷺ started with Aisha رضي الله عنها, and he loves Aisha رضي الله عنها, So of course the Prophet ﷺ is hoping she doesn't take the other option, but he has to be just and give her the option that you can go back to your parents' home and you won't be blamed. So he goes to Aisha رضي الله تعالى عنها and he says, يا عائشة إني أريد أن أعرض عليك أمرا أحب أن لا تعجلي فيه حتى تستشيري أبويك it's a very it's a mouthful. He says, listen, Aisha, Allah has given me an order to give you a choice, and I would hope that you're not hasty in answering until you go and you talk to your parents. Meaning what, you know, the Prophet and Aisha anha's relationship is very quick, it's very fun, it's it's open, subhanAllah. She might say something in haste to prove a point or something. That's going to end up being against her. So the Prophet ﷺ said, listen, be slow in answering, know how you're going to answer me. And then it's probably a good idea for you to go talk to Abu Bakr and to Umrahman, to your parents uh, in the process. Qalat, what is it, O Messenger of Allah? So the Prophet ﷺ recited the ayat to her. So she responded, she said, أَفِيكَ so you want me to go consult my parents in regards to you, O Messenger of Allah? She said, بَلْ wa rasulahu wa darul She said, all I want is Allah and the Messenger and ad-darul akhirah and the hereafter. I don't need to go talk to my parents. So I'm going to give you a quick answer. And the quick answer is, I want to stay. I know it's a difficult life. I know what I signed up for. I know that there will be poverty here and hardship, but I don't want to go talk to my parents, Ya Rasulullah, I want to stay. And the Prophet Sallallahu was so happy. Like he breathes a sigh of relief, as Aisha radiallahu anha says, alhamdulillah, she didn't choose the other option. But then Aisha anha, our mother, says to the Prophet but don't tell the other wives what I said. La min nisa'ika bil Don't tell them what I said. And there are reasons that the ulama mentioned. Either she's she doesn't want to give you know, the answer to them, that the Prophet loves that they use the same answer. Like this is my original answer. I responded to the ayah as it came down and it clearly made you happy. So don't give it away to the other ones. Let them figure out how to answer. Or she doesn't want them to know because if they know then maybe they'll stay too. And maybe she's hoping that one of them takes the other option. So the ulama of hadith, they disputed over the meaning of this. But she said, listen, don't tell the other wives what I said. And the Prophet said, look, no woman is going to ask me about what you said, except that I have to tell her. I have to tell her why. He said, "Inna Allaha lam yabathni mu'annithan, wala muta'annithan, wala kan mualliman muyasira. Said Allah has sent me, or Allah did not send me to be harsh or to irritate people. Like I'm not here to play games with people or to irritate or to poke. Allah sent me as a teacher. And Allah sent me to make things easy for people. So if the other wives say, well, what did Aisha say? I'm gonna have to tell them because I'm not going to pit anyone against each other. I'm, I'm abiding by the ayah as it came down to me. So the Prophet SallAllahu goes out very happy from Aisha radiAllahu Anha and every single one of the wives of the Prophet SallAllahu said, well, what did Aisha say? And the Prophet SallAllahu said what Aisha said, and they all responded with the exact same thing. So none of them took the other offer which was to abandon the household of the Prophet Sallallahu because they knew that the reward of being with the Prophet ﷺ, despite any difficulty that came with it, was a reward that was unmatched, was a reward that was completely unmatched. So that's one set of ayat in Surah al And then you have the famous incident of Surah Al-Tahreem, which is relevant to Hadithatul al where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, Ya you nabiyu lima ma lak. O oh, prophet of Allah, why do you make forbidden for yourself what Allah has made permissible for you? Now I'll go into some more detail in the story of Hafsa radiallahu anha. I'll just give the brief here insha'Allah, because we're gonna touch it in the story of Aisha, Hafsa, and Zainab. May Allah be pleased with them all. Uh, in Al-Bukhari, in brief, the interpretation of this is that Aisha and Hafsa, may Allah be pleased with them, were jealous of Zainab radhiyallahu anha, because she had a particular type of honey that the Prophet liked. And the Prophet would spend time there and the Prophet clearly was enjoying the honey that Zainab was making. So they told each other, they said, when the Prophet comes to you, tell the Prophet his breath is bad. And that will discourage him from eating the honey of Zainab So they both decided to tell the Prophet when he comes to them that What's that smell in your breath? And they would say that, you know, it smells like maghafir, it smells bad, doesn't smell good. And the Prophet SallAllahu as Aisha radiAllahu Anha says, used to love to smell good. He always smelled good SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. His sweat was a good scent SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. His breath was always good SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. He wore the best of scents SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. So when they told the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi when they both said to the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi that his breath didn't smell pleasant, knowing that he just came from the house of Zainab, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that, aslan, aslan zaynab, that I, I ate some honey at the house of Zainab, but you know what? Since clearly both of you think that it makes my breath not good, I'm never going to eat that honey again. And that's when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la revealed, O oh, oh Prophet of Allah, why would you make forbidden for yourself what Allah has made, permitted for you? So why is this important? Because again, it speaks to the idea of Zainab anha leading one group, Aisha anha leading one group, and the way that that played out sometimes. Now let's get to Hadithatul Ifk, the great slander of Aisha anha. And subhanAllah, there are hopefully inshaAllah ta'ala certain things that will now connect for you uh, that maybe did not in the past. Remember that incident we spoke about uh, of the necklace of Aisha radiyallahu anha being lost, and the Sahaba being held up in a long journey, and they couldn't find the necklace and the revelation of Tayammum. Hadithatul Ifk, the slander, happens in that journey. So this was one of those journeys, Subhanallah, where things are all over the place. Where you know Aisha radiyallahu anha loses her necklace, and now Aisha radiyallahu taala anha says that on this journey. And this was the campaign of al Mustaliq, six years after hijrah. On this journey, uh, after I found my necklace, and the army was to proceed, Aisha radiAllahu ta'ala Anha went to relieve herself. So she went far away from the army to relieve herself, to use the restroom or to find something. And when she came back, she found that the army had proceeded without her. Now, it was nighttime, which gives you an idea as to why that could have happened. And she describes; she says that they assumed that that I was in the Houdaj, in the, remember the caravan that's on the back of the camels. And she said, I wasn't too heavy. So it was easy for them to just make the assumption that I was still there. So they just continued forward. It was in the middle of the night and they continued their journey towards Medina. And I came back and I found the army is gone. So first she lost her necklace on this journey and now she got lost on this journey. And you can imagine this is actually a pretty scary circumstance. Now the Arabs used to plan for this stuff. They understood the ways of traveling during the journey, which is why the Prophet ﷺ would appoint someone to stay behind and to make sure that no one forgot anything or no one was forgotten. Ibn Hajar Rahimahullah says, Safwan radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Safwan ibn Mu'attil was this person. And he says Safwan used to be ordered to wait eight to 10 hours sometime after the army would proceed. And then he would go and he would see if anything or anyone was left behind. So Aisha radiallahu anha knows the procedure. She says that I went back to the place that we last were and I just, you know, sat in the same place and I waited for someone to come. I figured they'll come back to the once they realize they forgot me, they'll come back to the place that they last remember seeing me. So she said, then while I was sitting there, I got tired and I fell asleep. So she's sleeping and she wakes up to Safwan, radiAllahu anhu saying, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Inna lillahi wa inna alayhi raji'un. Like what a disaster. Out of all people to be forgotten, Aisha radiAllahu anha, and she says that ra'ani Qabl al-hijab, he saw me before hijab. So he recognized me because he saw me before hijab, Aisha radiallahu anha would cover her face. So she's saying that he recognized me because this was after the ayat of hijab. And when he knew that I was there, he said, inna wa inna And he didn't say another word to me. That's it. Inna wa inna Aisha anha quickly got up. She covered herself altogether. And she says that Safwan put the camel down and he walked away. He made the camel kneel and then he walked away, not even looking at me, right? Like no, salamu alaykum. what happened ya al Mu'mineen? Nothing, not a single conversation. He's doing everything he needs to do. He's a noble man ta'ala and that's why the Prophet SallAllahu appoints him for such a task. So Aisha radiAllahu Anha says, I mounted the camel. And once he knew that I mounted the camel, he uh, ordered the camel to stand and he started to take me towards al Madina. And she says, he didn't say a single word to me after that. Like that was it. No conversation. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Bringing Aisha radiAllahu anha back to the army of the messenger, SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. And SubhanAllah to make it even more obvious that there was nothing wrong happening here. He enters into Medina in broad daylight. Like, I'm not trying to hide anything here. Clearly the mother of the believers was left behind and he's entering into Medina to make it very clear. Safwan is known as the person that cleans up afterwards, that re- retrieves anything that's been left over. It's only been a few hours. It was last night and now it's broad daylight. And that's when Aisha radiallahu anha says, فَهَلَكَ halak, هَلَكَ those who were meant to be destroyed were meant to be destroyed meaning what the slander starts from that moment wa kana kibr al abdullah ibn ubay ibn salul and the one who got the biggest share of the slander who started the slander was abdullah ibn ubay ibn salul the chief of the hypocrites now a lot is happening to abdullah ibn ubay ibn salul right now the ayah, subhanAllah, you can see how much is happening in this particular journey. The ayah, يقولون لَإِن رَجَعْنَا إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ لَيُخْرِجَنَ الْأَعَزُ منه مِنْهَا الْأَذَلُ That they say, the hypocrites, say that if we get back to Medina, we're going to remove the humiliated one and replace him with the honored one. Meaning what? Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul said during this campaign, we're going to get back to Medina and we're going to remove the humiliated one. And he means by that Rasulullah sallallahu الله عليه وسلم and replace him with me, the honored one. So he, he's playing his card now because he thinks he has an opening in this particular campaign. He thinks he has a moment to launch a coup against the Prophet ﷺ and Allah reveals Surat Al-Munafiqoon. Meaning what? He really needs a diversion tactic right now. He needs a way to change the conversation in Medina. You know, these people are Shayateen. They know exactly how to divert attention and to cause a fitna that will get people talking about something other than them. So he needs to find something to change the subject because right now the discourse in Medina is what's the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam going to do to him when he gets back to Medina. I mean, he officially announced that he's trying to launch a coup against the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And of course the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had told his son that he wasn't going to kill him, that he was gonna let him go, he was gonna forgive him. But to him, this is still you know, a very uncertain moment for him. So he sees Aisha radiallahu anha, and he sees Safwan, and he simply says to the people around, he says something happened between those two. That's it. Just suggest, ma minha, he was not free from her, nor was she free from him. I bet you something happened between those two. See how subhanAllah this ifk happens, the slander happens. Now Aisha radiallahu anha has no idea any of this is happening by the way. But as soon as he does that, people then start to talk. Did you hear what Abdullah ibn Ubay bin Salul said? You know, forward, retweet, share, pass the news. Most people are not malicious, they're curious. And that's actually the problem, right? As Allah Azzawajal mentions, they meet it with al-sinatahum, with their tongues. They're not thinking about it. They're not actually understanding the gravity of what they're entertaining with their tongues. They're just having conversations. It's the gossip of the day, it's a tabloid. Hey, did you hear that Aisha radiAllahu anha came after the army and Saflan was uh, bringing her in on the camel and I wonder what happened between them. And the conversation starts to happen, subhanAllah. A major, major slander and the fitna is about to happen and the tabloids are out. And most people are being reckless. So the majority of people are just reckless and this is something, subhanAllah, to keep in mind. We talked about the difficulties that you're going to face being the wife of the Prophet. ﷺ. Everyone in Medina knew that the most beloved person to the Prophet ﷺ was who? Aisha. Everyone knew that. The Sahaba and the hypocrites. So you want to get to the Prophet, ﷺ, mess with his wife, right? Slander his wife. So the hypocrites know that by going after her, they can really, you know, mess with the household of the Prophet and because they know what she means to the Prophet And the gossip happens. And imagine now the hypocrites are pretending to be Muslims, right? So they're scattered amongst the Muslims. So you got this person here, who's instigating a little bit more over here, instigating a little bit more over here. And it becomes the nightly discussion in Medina, people talking about what might have happened between Aisha radiAllahu Anha and Safwan radiAllahu ta'ala Anhu. Now there's the scope of responses. The best response, to hadithatul ifk was the response of who? Does anyone remember? We spoke about him already. Not Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu particularly here. Abu Bakr actually heard it late. They don't talk to Abu Bakr about it. There is one companion who gave the best response of them all, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. Remember Abu Ayyub radiallahu anhu? His wife, Um Ayyub radiallahu anha, she says, Did you hear what they're saying about Aisha radiallahu anha? What is it? So she says what they're saying. And she says, what do you think? And he says, would you do that? And she goes, of course not. He says, Aisha is better than you don't you dare like don't even entertain that that is the best response subhanallah like this is our mom aisha radiyallahu anha nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam habibatu habibillah the beloved one of the beloved one right so don't even entertain that she's a better woman than you she's our mother don't you dare even entertain it there is no way and she's free from that that's the best response that was given to hadithatul ifk and aisha radiyallahu anha would praise it later on and this is something to remember, right? Someone who said the right thing in the heat of the moment. Then you have a bunch in between, then you have the three people that carried it from amongst the companions. And this was, again, a very hard lesson. Because the three people that were most active in repeating it were actually noble companions. And it hurts, but it shows you a learning, you know, or opportunity for the companions of the Prophet. ﷺ the hypocrites are in a category, they're condemned to the worst punishments. There's a higher standard for the Sahaba, a higher standard for the companions. And so of the three that carried it, most prominently from amongst the companions, the first one was Hamna bint Jash ta'ala Who is Hamna? Hamna is the widow of Mus'ab ibn Umair SubhanAllah, the widow of Mus'ab, the sister of Abdullah ibn Jahsh and the sister of Zainab. So she's the sister-in-law of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She's the widow of Mus'ab. She's the sister of Abdullah ibn Jahsh, who was the first Amir in Islam, an amazing companion. Mus'ab, the one who brought Islam to Medina. And she fell. She repeated it. Now, Shaitan plays with people. What does she think she's doing by saying that something might be true about Aisha? She thinks she's doing a favor to who? Zainab, it's my sister. So if Aisha radiAllahu anha goes down, then perhaps Zainab radiAllahu anha is elevated, right? In rank, elevated in her position. Now SubhanAllah Aisha radiAllahu anha, she praises Zainab radiAllahu anha. Why? Because Rasulullah went to Zainab and this was Zainab's opportunity. If Zainab did not have the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet says to Zainab, What do you think? Zainab could have said, Well, I don't know. I'm just saying. She could have given an ambiguous answer. She said, Ya Rasulullah, ahmi sam'i wa basari wallahi ma'alimtu illa khayra. She said, Oh Messenger of Allah, I'm going to protect my eyes and my ears from this filth. I don't know of Aisha except for good things. That's Zainab herself, radiallahu ta'ala, anha. Our mother Zainab, she said, this is Aisha we're talking about. Of course, she would never do something like that. This is disgusting and it should not be repeated. And Aisha actually says in the hadith, she says that Zainab was held back by her taqwa, by her wara, by her fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, her God consciousness, right? And unfortunately, Hamna and we say عنها, she's a companion that fell. She made a mistake, a grievous mistake here. She thought she was doing her sister a favor by putting down Aisha radiAllahu ta'ala anha. The second one was, and we spoke about him in detail, Hassan ibn Thabit radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. And that hurt because Hassan was the poet of the Prophet SallAllahu Wasallam. He used his tongue to defend the Prophet SallAllahu Wasallam against the enemies of Rasulullah. And some of the scholars say, look, pay attention to something here. theres a tharun al mutashaddiqun al-mutashaddiqoon, al-mutafayhiqoon. And I'm not gonna go into the details of these three categories of people, but the prophet ﷺ used to talk about people who talk too much people who rhyme too much people who comment too much and the prophet ﷺ said the furthest people from me on the day of judgment are these people people that have an opinion on everything and people that are excessive and uh, you know that love to hear themselves speaking that's what those three categories encompass and some of the scholars commented they said the problem with a poet is that a poet is so eloquent and is looked to to offer an opinion on everything, to become a commentator. So Hassan had nothing but love for the Prophet ﷺ, but he offers his comments and his tongue slips. And our mother Aisha hated that anyone would speak bad of him. Aisha hated that anyone would speak bad of him. Why? Because she said he used to defend the Prophet ﷺ. meaning his defense of the Prophet ﷺ is more beloved to me or weighs heavier for me than his using his tongue against me for those moments. SubhanAllah, because she loves the Prophet Sallallahu more than she loves herself. So when people would say bad things about Hassan in her presence, she would stop them and she would say, that was a man that used to respond on behalf of the Prophet Sallallahu Don't say anything bad about Hassan. And she used to say that I remember him saying, فَإِنَّ أَبِي وَوَالِدَهُ لِعِرْضِ مُحَمَّدٍ مِنْكُمْ she said, I remember the powerful words of Hassan when he used to say that my mother, my father, and my honor are all for the honor of Muhammad. So don't curse Hassan. So it was Hamna and Hassan. And then the third one was Mistah, who happens to be her cousin. And Mistah, it's not clear why he fell into it, but he was very poor. Allah knows best what happened, how he got himself into it. But Mistah, radiallahu ta'ala, fell into it as well. And he was a companion of the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. So anyway, you know, the conversations happening in Medina and Aisha radiAllahu Anha says that I actually got sick on this journey. So for one month I was in bed. I had no idea that people were talking about me. Imagine SubhanAllah, the whole of Medina is having this conversation about Aisha radiAllahu ta'ala Anha. And she said, I had no clue that any of this was happening to me, she said, except one thing that got me curious. She said, الله الله الاتي الاتي She said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was not as loving and gentle and compassionate with me in this sickness as he would have been in the past. So she said, the Prophet وسلم, would enter upon me, yusallimu alayya, and he would give salam and he would say, kayfatikum how are you? How are you? So he was inquiring SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was still showing care and concern, but Aisha radiAllahu Anha knows the Prophet SallAllahu She knows something is wrong, that he's, he's acting a little removed SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. SubhanAllah, that shows you by the way, how amazing the character of the Prophet SallAllahu was already that she could sense a little bit of removal because he was so loving, so attentive Sallallahu Alaihi Wasalam. in normal times, that it was as if something was going on. So she said, something started to happen inside of me. That I was wondering what's going on here. And then she said, a whole month later, Ummi Mistah, the mother of Mistah comes to me. And basically they used to go to a far out place, Al-Manasir, they used to go far away from their homes to use the restroom. SubhanAllah, you think about the na'am of our times, the blessing of our times. She actually goes into quite some detail where she explains that we held our bowel movements. And then once every two nights or so, we'd go out to the outskirts. And there was a place that was allocated, dedicated, especially for the women, uh, to be able to relieve themselves. So she said, I went with Umm Mistah to relieve myself. And as we were there, and she explains the relationship, she says that Umm Misdah was the daughter of Sakhr ibn Amr, who's the maternal aunt of Abu Bakr. So Umm Mistah is Abu Bakr's first cousin. All right? So she's my second cousin. She said, I'm with Umm Misdah. And then as we are out, she trips. And she says, Ta'isa Misdah. May Misdah be destroyed. Hi, she's like, why are you making dua against your son? And on top of that, She says, I said to her, not knowing that Mistah had said things about me, I said to her, What a horrible thing you've said. Are you saying something bad about a man who attended Badr? Not your son. How dare you say something about a man who attended Badr? And then she says to me, You know, young woman, you don't know what he said about you? She said, no, I have no idea. So she responded what he said. And that's when she learned of the ifk. That's when she learned about the slander. So whole month after it has started in Medina, Aisha radiAllahu anha said, those are the moments that I learned about what the discussion was. I knew what the tabloids were saying. I knew what the gossip was in Medina. And she said, that just made me sicker than I'd been before. I mean, I felt sick to my stomach. How could they say these things about me? So she said, I went home and I cried, and the Prophet ﷺ entered and he did what he was doing every day. He gave me salam and he asked me how I was doing. And I said to him, Attaadanuli an Atiya Abaway, do you give me permission to go to see my parents? Can I go to my parents' house? The Prophet ﷺ said, Of course. So she said, I went to my parents' house and I said to my mother, Oh my mother, what are the people saying about me? What's happening in Medina right now? So she says to me, Yabu listen, my daughter, take it easy. No one is going to be that beloved to the Prophet ﷺ and have the position that you have, except that people are gonna talk. Other women are gonna talk about you. So you should have expected, it comes with the territory to some extent, that your position with the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi puts this big target on your back and people are gonna talk about you. Unfortunately, that's the way society is. So she tried to calm her down. And I said, SubhanAllah. I said, SubhanAllah, is this what the people are saying about me? So she said, بَكَيْتُ تِلْكَ حَتَّى أَصْبَحْتُ لَا يرقى لِي دَمْعٌ وَلَا أتحد بنوم. She said, I cried so much when my mom confirmed what was being spoken about, what was being said about me, that I ran out of tears. I reached the point in my crying that I no longer had any tears left. And she said, and I could not sleep a single moment. I didn't get a blink of an eye of sleep. And the morning came and I was still crying even though my tears had dried up. She says, while this is happening, Rasulullah SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam was waiting for wahi, SubhanAllah. This is a test to the Prophet as well. And Allah is going to explain in Surah An-Nur that don't think this was bad for you. Balu lakum, this was good for all of you. It teaches the community a lesson. Rasulullah is looking to the skies and waiting for Jibreel Alaihi And suddenly the revelation has stopped. It's not coming to the Prophet SallAllahu for a month. Not just about Aisha. No surahs of the Quran are coming to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi is not coming to the Prophet So Rasulullah does istishara. He consults with his family. So first he brings in Usama ibn Zayd ta'ala anhu. Usama ibn Zayd is the son of his son, right? Zayd ibn, Thab, Zayd ibn al-Harifa ta'ala So he was once his adopted son. So Usama is like a, a, a grandson to the Prophet And the Prophet asks asks Usama, about the situation. And Usama radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, Ya Rasulullah, she's your wife. We only know good things about her. This will pass insha'Allah ta'ala. Just stay the course. And then he goes to Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his son-in-law, his cousin, his beloved one. And Ali radiallahu anhu says what Usama said, but Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu added two things. He said, listen, at the end of the day, if, you know, if you need to move on, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala has not restricted you. But before you do something like that, you need to go. Why don't you go and consult Barira, Barira, the freed slave of Aisha radiAllahu Anha. Why? Because Barira radiAllahu Anha is close to Aisha radiAllahu Anha. So go ask her about this, Ya Rasulullah. So the Prophet SallAllahu goes to Barira and says, Ya Barira, what do you think? Have you seen anything that gives you any type of suspicion? And Barira says, Ya Rasulullah, I've never seen anything blameworthy from Aisha except that she's a young woman. So sometimes she falls asleep and she leaves the dough unprotected and the goats come and eat the dough. So again, a knock on her cooking. It keeps happening with Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. That, you know, the one a'ib in her, the one fault that I see with with Aisha radiallahu anha is that she sleeps and she leaves the, the dough out. She wakes up and the animals ate the dough. Right, but I've never seen anything with her character. So the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, he goes to the Manbar, he goes to the pulpit, and he says, Ya ma'ashar al-Muslimin, O Muslims, man ya'adhiruni min rajulin qad balaghani anhu adahu fi ahli, who's going to relieve me of a man that has hurt my family, that hurt me in regards to my family. Meaning what? It's Abdullah ibn, ibn Surud, we all, we all know as a collective, that it was Abdullah ibn Ubay bin Salul. And the Prophet ﷺ has given him amnesty after amnesty after amnesty. But at this point now, SubhanAllah, this has reached the point. The Prophet ﷺ says, who's going to relieve me of this man? And then the Prophet, ﷺ, what does he say? He says, Wallahi ma alimtu ala ahli illa khayra. He defends his wife. He says, I've never known anything but good from Aisha anha. So he says, Who's going to relieve me of this person that's spreading this evil slander that has hurt me and my family? And wallahi, I do not know of anything but good things when it comes to Aisha radiAllahu ta'ala anha. And SubhanAllah, the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam and his noble character, who else does he need to defend? He defends Safwan radiAllahu anhu. You know, he could have taken his anger out on Safwan. He could have roughed him up, you know, been unjust to him, right? Because that's what a jealous husband would do. Instead, the Prophet knows that Aisha anha is the more high-profile victim of this slander, but Safwan is also a victim. So the Prophet says, And they've been mentioning a man, and wallahi I don't know except good things about him. So I know only good things about my wife, Aisha, and I know only good things about the man that they are making this claim about, and he never used to come to visit me except, or he never visited my family except that I was there. At that point, that's when Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh anhu stands up and Sa'ad was the, the the chief of Al-Aws. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, if he is from us, then we'll take care of him, we'll kill him. And if he's from the Khazraj, give us the order and we'll take care of him as well. Meaning what? We'll take him out if he's one of us and we'll take him out if he's one of them. Now this was unfortunately, unfortunately, the first time you started to hear the hint of that pre-Islamic ignorance, Aus versus Khazraj, right? So if he's one of us, if he's one of Aus, we'll handle it. And if he's one of Khazraj, we'll handle it. Then unfortunately, Sa'ad ibn Ubadah got up and he was from Khazraj. And Aisha radiAllahu anha makes an excuse for him. She says that he was before that Rajul Saliha. He was a righteous man, but he got overcome by the moment. Ignorance overcame him in that moment, and he says, Kadabt. he said, you've told the lie. If he's from your people, you can take care of him. But if he's from one of us, you're not touching him. We'll take care of him. And then Usaid ibn Hudayr got up and Usaid said to Sa'ad, you're a munafiq, you're a hypocrite. How could you say that? Sa'ad ibn Mu'ad, right? And they start fighting once again, Aus and Khazraj, and this is exactly what Abdullah ibn Ubayr ibn Sarul wants. Divide the community, distract, deflect. And the Prophet him is so disappointed in that moment. So disappointed, disappointed. You know, when Ali radiallahu anhu used to say, النَّمَّامُ Sa'atin أَشْهُرُ That a slanderer in one hour causes a fitna that lasts for months. Right. Some of the scholars said, بَالْسَنِينَ Even years, sometimes in one hour, a person will do more destruction with this tongue than years of destruction. And what Abdullah ibn Ubay has been trying to do for six years to pit these people against each other, he now found an opening, and that shows you that fitna is a climate. Like it takes over a community. Everyone's emotions get high, and when everyone's emotions get high, shaitan's probability of entering with all sorts of delusions gets high too. He's going to turn this person against it. I mean, people just stop thinking right. They stopped thinking right. These people put their lives on the line for the Prophet, ﷺ, but in a moment they lost it, and the Prophet ﷺ was so disappointed, trying to quiet them, and then the Prophet ﷺ eventually he left it. Right? So Abdullah ibn Baby bin escapes anything at that moment. Now, Aisha radiallahu anha is still narrating the hadith. She says that I kept on crying and I could not sleep, and my parents were with me. And there were two nights in which I had not slept a single moment. And she says, She said that I thought that the crying was going to tear my liver. Meaning I thought I was gonna die from crying. This was very difficult on our mother I mean, she's really struggling. SubhanAllah, this shows you the human side. She's saying, I was struggling. So it wasn't easy for me. I wasn't sitting there saying, it's all gonna be okay. I'm struggling here. I can't believe this is happening. I never did anything to deserve this. And people are saying this and this and this about me. So she said, the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam entered into the house and he said, Salaam. And then he sat down and she mentions that the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam said the tashahud, he said, Ashhadu ilaha Allah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. So he basically starts off like a formal address. And I'm sitting, and Abu Bakr is there, and Umr Rahman is there with my parents. And the Prophet says, "Ya Aisha, oh Aisha, balaghani anki kada wa kada. Look, this is what's been said. This is the first conversation they're having about it. Look, Aisha, this is what has come to me in regards to you. Fa kunti bari'a, If you're innocent, Allah's gonna declare your innocence. So that's the first thing the Prophet starts off with. Them, and if you made a mistake, if you committed a sin, إليه, then seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and repent to him. تاب, تاب If a servant makes a mistake, commits a sin, and then they sincerely repent to Allah, Allah will forgive them. Now Aish is upset that the Prophet even said it. And Ibn Hajar mentions this regard. The Prophet was speaking in his capacity as a messenger of Allah, not as her husband here. He has to say this. He has to say this. That, look, if you're not guilty, which is the presumption, which is why he started with that, and he's not blaming her, he doesn't have that in his voice, then don't worry. Soon enough, your innocence will be proclaimed. But look, in the possibility that you did actually commit the sin, then return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you. There's also something very beautiful about this in a subtle way, which is. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi did not say to her like a narcissist, do you know what the people are saying about me? Do you know what this, this has done to me? Do you know how hurt I am? Do you know what's happening in my life? Can you believe? Look at this. If you wouldn't have got lost that day, none of this would have happened. See, it's all an invitation to hurt. Like this is about you and I understand. And I'm not going to make this about me. Even though the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi is hurting. She was hurt to get to the Prophet Sallallahu but this is our messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's not making this about himself and he's not blaming her for the trial in any way. But the fact that he even said that to her, she said that when he finished his speech, she said, my eyes dried up, I stopped crying. And I looked at my father and I said, Ajib Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I said to Abu Bakr, my father, respond to the messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on my behalf. Abu Bakr said, Ya Aisha, I don't know what to say. So she said, I looked at my mom, Ruman. I said, Ajibi Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam afi ma qal. Answer the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on behalf of me. And Ruman says, Ya Aisha, I don't know what to say. It's not like he said anything except the truth here. Right? And so she then says, I said to all three of them, now I feel alone in this room. The Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr and umr Ma. She said, I said to all three of them, if I admit to something I didn't do, then you'll leave me alone. But even if I don't admit to it, then still the shaitan has planted some seeds and maybe you're going to start thinking still that there's a possibility that I did it and Allah knows I'm innocent. So she said, the only thing, فَوَاللَّهِ لَا لِي وَلَكُمْ مثلاً إلا أبا يوسف عليه السلام. She said, the only thing I see befitting to this moment then is to say to you what the father of Yusuf said. A beautiful patience, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the keeper. Allah Azzawajal is most fitting in dealing with the plot of those who plot. So she said, I turned away from them and I laid on my bed. And she said, I knew that I was innocent. And she said, "I knew Allah was going to reveal my innocence." But listen to what she says. She said, "I never thought Allah would reveal Quran about me. I never thought Allah subhanahu wa taala would reveal Quran about me." She says, she said, I never thought that I am of a position that Allah would speak about me with revelation. She says, الله الله I was hoping the Prophet would see a dream that would reveal my innocence. So I never thought Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala was going to reveal Qur'an in my defense. But she said that The Prophet did not leave his seat and she said suddenly what was known of the Prophet with revelation started to happen to him. We heard the descent of revelation on the Messenger and we knew that the Quran was coming to him. It's been a whole month and the Prophet was waiting for Allah to reveal something about this. And it's coming to the Prophet in the house of Abu Bakr, Umruman and Aisha. And she said, after the Prophet ﷺ received revelation, he smiled and he you know had this breath of relief. And he said, Ya Aisha, Amma Allah bara'aki Oh Aisha, Allah has declared your innocence. Now here's the thing: when he said that, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Aisha radiallahu anha says that Umru Man said to me. Go to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, like now this is over, go give him a hug, go embrace him. And she said, wallahi la aqumu ilayhi. She said, no, no, not now. I'm not going to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. fa ahmadu Right now I'm gonna praise only Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala for Allah was the one who declared my innocence in this regard. And then she said, wa anzalAllahu ta'ala inna allatheena ja'u bil until the end of it. The 10 ayat of Surah Al-Nur, in which Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala declared the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha. Meaning she's saying that I was so emotional in those moments that I only wanted to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah revealed Quran in my defense. I never thought that was going to happen. I never thought I had a position with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for him to reveal 10 ayat of Quran. And it wasn't just 10 ayat for her innocence. It was 10 ayat in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala admonishes the community. 10 ayat in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about those who brought forth the ifk, And as the Zamakhshali says, if you read the whole Qur'an, the anger of the ayat towards those who slandered Aisha radiallahu anha is unlike the anger that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used in regards to any other group of people. Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma used to say, man aznaba dhanban, thumma ila Allah. whoever commits a sin and then repents to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will be accepted from them, illa man khadha Aisha. Except for those that would talk about Aisha radiallahu anha, that's a severe sin it requires another level of tawbah for them because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was so severe in defending our mother aisha radiyallahu anha and al-qurtubi rahimahullah he comments he says that the flogging was carried out on mistah and on hamna and on Hassan. but abdullah ibn ubay bin salul was actually ordered to be left why وَإِنَّمَا لَمْ يُحَدَّ عَدُوُ اللَّهِ لِأَنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَىٰ قَدْ أَعَدَّ لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ عَذَابًا عَظِيمًا فَلَوْ حُدَّ فِي الدُّنْيَا لَكَانَ نَقْصًا مِنْ عَذَابِهِ الْأُخْرَوِيهِ He said that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala told the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam spare his entire punishment for the hereafter. Because any punishment that comes to him here might be a decrease of that which he has done, the severity of what he has done. And that's what he meant when he said, عظيم, That the one who started it has a particular adab, a particular here, uh, punishment in the hereafter that awaits him for the way that he dealt with our mother Aisha radiAllahu ta'ala anha. Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah also says something very beautiful about this. He says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exonerated Musa alayhi salam through the stone. What does that mean? Remember they used to, slan- they slandered Musa Alayhi They said that he has a skin condition, right? And then Musa Alayhi put his garment on the stone and the stone ran off with his garment and basically revealed that Musa Alayhi was slandered. Musa Alayhi beat the stone because he was upset about it. But that's how Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala, you know, relieved Musa of the slander towards him Alayhi And then he said, and Allah, Exonerated Yusuf through the young boy. shahida Shahidun min Ahliha. Right? The young boy that was a witness. Allah revealed the innocence of Yusuf through that. And Allah exonerated Maryam through Isa in the cradle. When the baby spoke from the cradle. But as for Aisha, Allah chose to exonerate her himself. So she was slandered in a way that no other wife of the Prophet was slandered. And she was tested with this unique test of pain, but Allah exonerated her himself with Quran. And that's why sometimes you find her name in the hadith, Allati mimma The one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exonerated from that which they said about her. So Aisha radiallahu anha has a few months of pain, followed by an eternity of praise. Where till now we read about her innocence radiallahu ta'ala anha, in this regard. And then she continues in the hadith, by the way, and I'll, I'll move on from it, that Abu Bakr radiAllahu anhu, just quickly as we've heard the story, Abu Bakr as soon as these ayat came down, he said, Mistah, He said, I give charity to him, Wallahi, I'm never going to give him charity again. That's Abu Bakr radiAllahu anhu's response. He slandered my daughter and I've been giving him charity. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded, wa liasfahu, ala lakum. forgive and pardon, don't you want Allah to forgive you? Abu Bakr anhu said, I want to be forgiven by Allah. So Abu Bakr gave him his daily charity even on the day he was flogged for slandering his daughter. Which shows you the way that these, this family sought the pleasure of Allah and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now one thing that happens and then we'll get to the hardest tragedy which is the death of the Prophet One thing that happens in the same year, six years after hijrah, is that Umr radiallahu anha, the mother of Aisha radiallahu anha got sick and died. Now subhanAllah, some of the scholars, they said, it's perhaps an insinuation, though there is nothing, you know, that is concrete in this regard, that the stress of that situation may have led to some of the circumstances that caused her death. Because it was a very hard year for them, a very difficult year for the entire family. And Umroman radiAllahu ta'ala Anha in that stress would pass away soon after. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa himself went into the grave of Umruman and he received her body radiAllahu ta'ala anha laha and he sought forgiveness for her. And in one narration, the Prophet SallAllahu as he buried Umruhman he said, whoever wants to look at a woman of Jannah, then look at Umruhman radiAllahu ta'ala anha, a noble woman, the mother of Aisha So she dealt with al-ifq and then she dealt with the death of her mother. Now SubhanAllah, relative to the first years, The next few years of Aisha and the Prophet are the sweetest years. Why? Because the victories start to come now. Right? The last four years of their life together are the victories. The Hajj delegation, Amul Wufud, the people coming from all over to embrace Islam, Hajjatul Wada', the conquest, Fatih Mecca, and the farewell Hajj of the Prophet. These years, are the years in which the Prophet Sallallahu is seeing his mission come to fruition. And the Prophet Sallallahu is certainly encountering the least amount of test and trial in these last few years of his life, Alayhi Salatu And she describes that when the Prophet Sallallahu got back from Hajjatul Wada', the pinnacle of the life of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is when he gets back from Hajjatul Wada', the farewell Hajj, and she said, it was at that moment that you started to see the sickness of the Prophet ﷺ come. So it's right after that journey. Right after that journey. I mean, we won, right? This is it. And suddenly, the health of the Prophet ﷺ starts to look a bit different. And it's not as obvious in the beginning to the people that aren't paying as close attention to the Prophet ﷺ. So Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu narrates the famous narration. He said that the Prophet sallallahu stood up and he was giving a khutbah. And in the khutbah, he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna allaha khayyira abdan bayna dunya wa bayna maa fa allah. Allah has given a choice to one of his servants between that which is in this dunya and that which is with Allah. And that servant has chosen that which is with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, And the only person in the entire masjid, thousands of people, the only person in the entire masjid who understood what the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam was saying was Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiAllahu So Abu Bakr started to cry and it's even described, he started to whimper ta'ala Anhu. I mean, heavy, heavy crying. So much so that people started to cry after the crying of Abu Bakr not knowing why they were crying. His crying was that severe. And the Prophet Sallallahu in the middle of the khutbah starts to address Abu Bakr. He says, Ya Abu Bakr, la tabki Oh Abu Bakr, don't cry. Inna amanna nasi alayya fi suhbatihi wa malihi Abu Bakr. Walau kuntu muttakhidan khalilan min ummati latakhathtu Abu Bakr. Walakin ukhuwatu al-Islam wa mawaddatuhu. He said, don't cry, oh Abu Bakr. And then he says to everyone else, Allah has blessed me with Abu Bakr, with his friendship, with his support. And if I were to take a khalil, a close friend from amongst mankind, from amongst my ummah, I would take Abu Bakr. But Allah has taken me as a khalil, as his special and exclusive friend. And he said, but with Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, ukhuwatu islam the brotherhood of Islam, and his love and companionship, And the Prophet says, shut all of the gates to the masjid except for the gate of Abu Bakr. Everyone else's gate to the masjid should be shut. He said, I've repaid everyone else. I could never repay this man, so Abu Bakr's gate remained open to the masjid, everyone else's gate shuts. Meaning the private doors that the people used to have to come into the masjid of the Prophet, those are all gone at this point. Aisha radiallahu anha then says that she had the dream of three moons falling in her home radiallahu anha. And if you remember Sauda radiallahu anha had the dream of a moon coming to her. So she had the dream of three moons coming from the sky and falling into her home and then in the ground. So she told her father Abu Bakr what it was. And Abu Bakr anhu said that three righteous people are going to be buried in your home. Three righteous people are going to be buried in your home. SubhanAllah. And when the Prophet ﷺ would pass away, Abu Bakr Anhu would say to her, the best of your moons just landed. The best of your moons has come. Now, SubhanAllah, and these are some of the narrations that I don't think people actually read when we're talking about the death of the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Because Aisha radiAllahu Anhu has a very unique perspective. She's seeing the Prophet ﷺ's decline in a way that others are not. So the first decline she's seeing is that the Prophet Sallallahu now does not pray qiyam standing up the entire night. Remember, he used to stand up until his feet would swell, Sallallahu Now, she says that he would recite, وسلم, for some time, then he'd sit down and recite, and then he'd stand up to do rukur and sujood, Sallallahu Wasallam. But he had to sit down for a portion of his qiyam. And this is, subhanAllah, narration that a whole khutbah could honestly be given about this narration. Abdullah ibn shaqiq says, I asked Aisha radiallahu anha, qaa'id? Did the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to pray at night while he was sitting down? You know what she said? She said, Naam, ba'dama ما nas.' She said, after people burnt him out. After the people broke him down. SubhanAllah, that is such a powerful narration. Like I saw him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, give his entire body to this ummah. He gave everything to this ummah. And the people consumed, SubhanAllah, from him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in 23 years, what cannot be given to mankind over a course of hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم gave it all in two decades, alayhi salatu Wasallam. So she said, Nas, like I saw my husband and I saw, I saw him get consumed, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, by everything he gave to this ummah. And so she then describes uh, some of the further things. She says that when the Prophet وسلم, was getting very sick now towards the end of his life, uh, he would say to his wives, Aina anagadan, aina ghadan where am I tomorrow? Where am I tomorrow? And they knew that the Prophet وسلم, was longing for Aisha Anha. But the Prophet, وسلم, even in his sickness, did not want to wrong anyone. So he would light up Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he got to be with Aisha Anha. And all of the wise of the Prophet وسلم, understood that. And so they all agreed that let's let him stay with Aisha Anha. Like it's very clear that the Prophet's health and his emotional well-being is best when he's with Aisha radiAllahu Anha. So they all agreed that the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi in the house of Aisha anha until the time that he would pass away. Al-Fadl ibn Abbas radiAllahu and Ali radiallahu anhuma, they carried the Prophet SallAllahu body. He was so sick at that point that they carried him over to the house of Aisha radiAllahu anha. And that's actually when the panic starts in the masjid. Like when you see the Prophet SallAllahu he can't walk on his own anymore, SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he had to be carried to the house of Aisha Anha. That's when they realized that this is a very serious condition that the Prophet وسلم, has. And still SubhanAllah, Aisha Anha says that he still found it in him SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam even when he could barely move to still joke with her. So she says that, I told the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wa ra'sa, I have a headache. And Rasulullah says, He said, well, that's good, because that means if you pass away before me, I'll get to seek forgiveness for you and ask Allah's mercy for you. And Aisha said that I said back to the Prophet you probably want that so you could be with somebody else, like you're probably trying to get rid of me. وضحكا, and they both laughed. So even SubhanAllah shows you the nature of their relationship that even as he's dying, SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, he's still initiating jokes with Aisha And they're still telling these jokes to each other. Now, as the Prophet life starts to deteriorate even further with his health, <coughs> it gets to a point where Ubaidullah ibn Abdullah ibn Utbah, he says, I went to Aisha and I said, can you describe the the moments when the Prophet became most severely ill. She said that the Prophet became so ill that it got to a point where he was in and out of consciousness. And we know the fever of the Prophet was so severe that when you touched his body, it would burn you. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said that I touched the Prophet's body and I thought, how can a human being have this high of a fever? And the Prophet said that I am tested twice as much as everyone else. Why? Because I have double the reward. Double the trial, double the reward. So the fever of the Prophet ﷺ was more severe than anything that any of the companions <coughs> had ever felt. So she said that uh, the Prophet ﷺ became severely ill and he would go in and out of consciousness and then he'd wake up and he'd say, Have the people prayed yet? And we'd say to the Prophet ﷺ, not yet. So Rasulullah وسلم, would say, can you put some water in a bucket for me so that I can wash up, do wudu for salah? So she said that I'd do so, and the Prophet وسلم, would start, but he couldn't finish. He would lose consciousness again, sallallahu wasallam, And then he'd wake up, and every time he woke up, sallallahu wasallam, what was he asking? Asallah al do the people pray yet? And the same thing. The Prophet وسلم, would say, Can you give me the water? And he would try to bathe, وسلم, wash himself until he had enough energy to go to the salah. And he keeps on asking, Asalla nas, Asalla nas, Asalla nas. And eventually, the Prophet وسلم, asks, Have the people prayed? And we say no. And Rasulullah وسلم, was able to do enough of wudu' that the Prophet وسلم, then says, Tell Abu Bakr to lead the salah. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu leads the salah from al Isha, Fajr and then the next day at Dhuhr, the Prophet called for Al-Abbas and Ali, may Allah be pleased with them to come and carry the Messenger and they carried him to the salah with his feet dragging on the ground and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was leading the salah already and Abu Bakr was going to move back to let the Prophet Sallallahu take his place and Rasulullah Sallallahu told him to stay. And instead they set up a chair next to Abu Bakr and the Prophet Sallallahu prayed next to him sitting Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this is the Prophet Sallallahu making every last attempt as Aisha radiallahu anha narrates to go out and to be with the people and to join the Salah even as he Sallallahu cannot even walk at that point. And she said that as he got sicker, she said, "Ma أَغْبِطُ أَحَدًا بِهَوْنِ مَوْتٍ بَعْدَ الَّذِي رَأَيْتُ مِنْ شِدَّةِ مَوْتِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ She said, I don't envy anyone over their death after I see the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the way that the severity of his death was. And look at her, رضي الله تعالى عنها. You know, they used to ask her, how did how do you know so much about medicine? She said, because she's asking every doctor. She's listening in. She's trying to cure the Prophet ﷺ by any means necessary. And one of the most beautiful ahadith, subhanAllah, in Al-Bukhari. She says that the Prophet ﷺ used to breathe in his hands. And he used to read the Mu'awwidatan. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الفلق, And قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْنَاسِ And he used to wipe his hands over his body. And she said that the Prophet ﷺ got so sick that he couldn't do that anymore. So she said, She said that when the Prophet got too sick to do it himself, she said, I started to take his hands and I would read Quran in his hands and then I would blow on his hands وسلم, And then I'd use his hands to wipe his face. Why? She said, because the blessing from the hands of the Prophet SallAllahu is greater than my blessings. SubhanAllah, that's how detailed she's thinking. She said, let me read the Quran in his hands and then use his hands SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam to wipe his face <coughs> and to help him. Aisha radiAllahu ta'ala Anha says uh, that amongst the du'as that she narrates, she says that when the Prophet SallAllahu was passing away, <coughs> he had a cup of water and he put his hand in that cup of water and he would wipe himself Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he would say, Allahumma inni ala sakaratil mawt, la ilaha illallah, inna lilmawti sakarat. Oh Allah, help me through the agony of death, la ilaha illallah, inna lilmawti sakarat. And she said, I would hear the Prophet وسلم, saying, Allahumma khfir warhamni, walhiqni bil-rafiq ala Oh Allah, forgive me and have mercy on me and let me join with the highest companion and then she narrates the last visits. She says that when all of the wives of the Prophet were gathered around him, in my house, because they would come to visit him in my house, she said, "Ja at Fatima." And and you know, I know we've heard this narration, but the way Aisha even describes it is so beautiful. She says, Ja'at Fatima tu tamshi ka anna like even the way she was walking was like the walk of the Prophet. ﷺ. Fatima was so like the Prophet ﷺ that she walks into the room and like you couldn't help but notice that even her walk was the same walk as the Prophet. ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ smiled and said, Marhaban b-ibnati Marhaba. Welcome my beloved daughter, welcome my beloved daughter. Fa ajlasaha Yaminehi sallallahu alayhi wa And uh, the Prophet ﷺ sat her down on his right side. فبكت, that he said something in her ear and she started to cry. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi told her, come back and he said something to her that caused her to laugh. So Aisha radiAllahu Anha said, I said to Fatima, what did he say to you? And Fatima said, this is a secret between me and my father. So she wouldn't tell Aisha radiAllahu Anha what happened until after the death. She'd say that the first time the Prophet ﷺ told me that I'm not going to survive this, that I'm going to die. And it made me cry. And the second time the Prophet ﷺ told me that you'll be the first one to follow me. So I started to laugh. Fatima radiallahu has a young woman, by the way, very young woman. But she was happy because the Prophet ﷺ just told her, you're, you're about to die as well, to come and to be with me. And of course, uh, the last thing the Sahaba saw of the Prophet ﷺ, was the narration that Anas ta'ala anhu mentions uh, of the Prophet وسلم, uh, removing his curtain and looking at the companions praying. And the companions were so excited because they all thought that the Prophet was going to heal and come out. And Rasulullah was smiling, and his face was as bright as the page of a mushaf. And the Prophet ashara Ilayhim he signaled to them keep praying. And he closed the curtain. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. At this point, the only person that's going to be with our prophet sallallahu alaihi for the rest of his life here is aisha radiAllahu anha. Meaning, subhanallah, of an ummah of over hundred thousand at this point, only one person is going to spend whatever remains of his life with him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That's aisha radiAllahu anha. So aisha taala anha says that the prophet sallallahu was perched up against my chest. So they're sitting in the room, and Aisha radiyallahu anha says that the fever of the Prophet was very hot, and he was breathing hard. وسلم, and clearly, he doesn't have much left. And she says, "Abdul Rahman, my brother came to check in on me, and he had a siwak, uh, a toothbrush." الله الله وسلم, and the Prophet was leaning against me. So I noticed that the Prophet, وسلم, his eyes looked at the siwak. And I knew the Prophet used to love the siwak, especially before what? Before salah. Before he'd meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his salah, the Prophet would always use the siwak. He liked to have beautiful breath when he recited the Qur'an. I said to the Prophet وسلم, do you want me to take it? فَأَشَارَ النَّعْمِ The Prophet Sallallahu simply nodded his head. Meaning the Prophet Sallallahu was so weak at this point that he couldn't even move his hand and he couldn't even respond with his voice So she said, I took it. So she said, I took the siwak and it was stiff for him to use. So she said, should I soften it up for you? And the Prophet nodded his head. So Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that I took the siwak of the Prophet, the, the siwak, and I softened it with my own saliva, with my own mouth. And then I gave it to the Prophet I put it in his mouth and Started to put the siwak around his mouth. Sallallahu Then she says, الله, من نعم, من نعم علي, One of the greatest blessings upon me. sallallahu She said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi would die in my house. And it happened to be my day, meaning, even though the wives of the Prophet had agreed that he could stay with her, that it happened to be her day anyway, in her home. And she said, between my chest and my thigh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed the last thing the Prophet uh, to have in his mouth was my saliva mixed with his saliva. So she said, What a blessing that I had with the Prophet. And Aisha radiallahu anha is the one that narrates the hadith that the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam said, من أحب لقاء الله أحب الله لقاء Whoever loves to meet Allah, Allah loves to meet him. And whoever hates to meet Allah, Allah hates to meet him. And she said, I said to the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, كلنا يكره الموت Ya Rasulullah, we all hate death. And she said, لا إنما ذاك عند موته إذا بشر برحمة الله ومغفرته أحب لقاء الله she, he said to her وسلم, that that's not what I'm talking about. This is referring to the last moments that the believer, when they are given their glad tiding of paradise at the time of death, at that moment, they love to meet Allah. At that moment, they love to meet Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. So she is now seeing that hadith come to fruition. And she says, Rasulullah The Prophet used to say, when he was fully healthy, SubhanAllah. It's, it's even more special for the prophets, you know, for the believers, you hope to see your kefin of Jannah, your, your cloth of Jannah, you hope to see the angels coming to you with pleasure. But the Prophet said to her when he was healthy, والسلام, no Prophet passes away except that Allah shows them their place in Jannah and then gives them a choice. So before they leave this world, they already see their place in Jannah. So Rasulullah, in those moments, he is seeing his place in Jannah. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the Masjid is waiting for news. The wives of the Prophet ﷺ are waiting for news. And Aisha is the only one with the Prophet ﷺ in these moments. And SubhanAllah, there is a hikmah here, a wisdom that Allah could have taken the Prophet ﷺ in sujood, in prostration, could have taken him leading the salah with the people. But Allah chose A'isha radiallahu anha's lap to hold the Prophet for those last moments and for them to have those moments together. It shows you something, subhanAllah. And she said that when Jibreel Ala entered into the room with the Angel of Death, and of course, this is the greatest soul the angel of death has ever taken. Right? The angel of death will never take a soul like taking the soul of the Prophet. You could feel the presence of the Malaika in that room, like the Prophet ﷺ lights up. So she said, فَلَمَّا نَزَلَ بِهِ وَرَأْسُهُ عَلَىٰ فَخِذِي غُشِيَ عَلَيْهِ ثُمَّ أفاق That while he was in my lap Sallallahu at this point, he would lose consciousness and then he'd come back, make dua. Lose consciousness and then he'd come back. He'd make dua. And then when Jibreel Alayhi entered the room with Malak Al maut with the angel of death, إِلَى السَّقْفِ The Prophet ﷺ looked up and his eyes became fixated on the ceiling. And he, at that point, his face lit up Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Aisha Radiallahu Anha says I said in those moments, he's not going to choose us. SubhanAllah, like she's saying, I still had hope until the last moments that maybe he's going to cure, maybe he's going to heal. In these moments, the way the Prophet looked up and the way that the angels entered, said he's not going to choose us. And then he raised his finger to the sky, and he said, "Allahumma rafiqa al ahlā, Allahumma rafiqa al ahlā, Allahumma al Allahu Oh Allah, the highest companion. Oh Allah, the highest companion. Oh Allah, the highest companion. And aisha anha said, "Those were the last words he said." Sallallahu Alaihi wasallam. And his soul left his body and his hand fell. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the greatest tragedy that ever struck the earth. And it happened in her lap. Think about that for a moment. SubhanAllah, there is no tragedy in the history of this world that matches the death of the Prophet. And it happened in her lap. And you ask yourself, what would you do? The whole ummah. Not one person except for her radiallahu ta'ala anha is holding the body of the Prophet sallallahu and witnessing his last moments, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she said when he passed away, she shrieked radiallahu ta'ala anha. And when she shrieked, when she screamed, that's when everyone in the masjid knew what happened. Like they hadn't heard her scream like that before radiallahu ta'ala anha. So that's when it overtakes the masjid. Mata Rasulullah, Mata Rasulullah, Mata Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That the Prophet has passed away, the Prophet has passed away, the Prophet has passed away. And Aisha radiallahu she admits in a narration, Muslimam Ahmad, she says that I, I stood up and I screamed. I mean, she didn't know how to handle the gravity of the moment. This is not the death of any human being, this is the death of Rasulullah. So she got up and she she shouted. (coughs) And then she narrates that Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu came. And she said that we, you know, after I shouted, the the family of the Prophet came, the women came, and they all started to cry over the Prophet. And they covered the body of the Prophet with a cloak from Yemen and his body was there Sallallahu Alaihi sallam. and she said that Abu Bakr radiAllahu Anhu came bolting to the house. And she said that he passed through the masjid and SubhanAllah, he didn't speak to anybody. Now when Abu Bakr radiallahu Anhu enters into the masjid, he sees people screaming, he sees people shouting. Uh, he looks to the walls and he sees Ali and Uthman completely wiped out. Like they couldn't speak, they couldn't move. The, com- the greatest companions of the Prophet ﷺ are absolutely paralyzed in this moment. How do you come to terms with this? And he refused to talk to anyone until he got to the house of the Prophet. ﷺ. So Aisha radiallahu anha says he entered into the house. He removed that cloak, the Prophet's body was laying there. He removed that cloak from the Body of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he says, she says, "Akkab alaihi, fakablahu, fabka." Abu Bakr threw himself on the body of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu threw himself on the body of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and kissed him and cried. <coughs> and he said, Bi-abi anta wallahi <laughs> la yajma'u Allahu alayka mawtatayni abada. He said, by Allah, Allah will never cause you to die twice. Subhanallah. The death that was decreed for you, you've died. Ya Rasulullah, you're in good hands now. SubhanAllah, rafiq al-A'la. <coughs> I think Inshallah, Ta'ala we'll stop there. <coughs> Hopefully reflect. Um, Again, this was the greatest tragedy. The Prophet said, when you lose someone that you love, fi SallAllahu Remember your tragedy and the death of the Prophet SallAllahu And Aisha Anha describing this moment, you know, you have the last joke, the last smile, the last hug, the last conversation, the last dua, and here you have the last kiss from Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu to the forehead of the Prophet sallallahu And profound words, Allah had a way of putting something on the tongue of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu that was unlike anyone else. <laughs> La How beautiful are you? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't let you die twice. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send his peace and blessings upon our Messenger sallallahu May Allah be pleased with the companions of the Prophet May Allah be pleased with our mother Aisha radiAllahu ta'ala anha who had to witness that and who brought him so much joy and comfort until the very last moments of his life May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala comfort us with the ru'ya of our Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Firdaus al-A'la, his eternal companionship. May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala let the death that he has decreed for all of us be a good death. Grant us all husn al khitam. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let our eternity be in the companionship of our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings. Allahumma ameen. Insha'Allah ta'ala we'll go ahead and we'll stop there and we'll continue next week. Jazakum Allah khairi Wassalamu alaykum Rahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research. Dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, the Forerunners of Islam.